Thanks for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development in our state. Hosted by Jeff Frent and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. Just as important as having a great site to attract a new company or help an existing business expand is having the talent to get the job done. Talent attraction and retention continues to be a top factor in corporate site selection. Leadership Development Program Senior Principal Program Lead Andre Kennebrew is well known for two things. First, his unique ability to recruit and select top talent for Chick-fil-A. And secondly, as a great developer of young talent. Additionally, Andre supports the growth of small businesses, nonprofit organizations, and college and universities in advancing their mission by providing leadership, coaching, and interview training. He also is a highly sought-after mentor for millennials and Gen Z generations, a Columbus, Georgia resident who now resides in Atlanta. Please welcome Andre Kennebrew. Hi, Andre. Thanks, Jeff, for having me on today. I'm so excited to be with you. You know, this is such a hot topic, uh, talking about talent attraction, talent retention, and much of the corporate site selection world is really looking closely at this. Chick-fil-A, widely recognized for excelling in both these areas. What can the corporate world in general learn from Chick-fil-A's approach and your approach to developing talent and retaining it? Yeah, I think the main thing, Jeff, is to understand that uh, attracting and, de- and developing talent is not a transaction, that there's a full process that has to be in play. Um, our retention rates, 97% at our corporate office. And as I've examined what we've been doing, I came to the conclusion it wasn't just selection. It just wasn't recruiting, but it was a combination of things and became a process that we do and that we've duplicated in our, our Chick-fil-A restaurants as well. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's a conversation going on nationally also just about the service industry. But I think you show that it's really not about service industry jobs. It's about that relationship that you're building with the with the talent. Absolutely. Uh, building a relationship with uh, the folks that you want to attract is very important. Uh, today's candidate is uh, very much interested in the experience that they're going to have. And having a great experience uh, entails having a great relationship. Uh, it's no longer about just how much money I'm going to work make or where I'm going to end up in the la- on the ladder, on the corporate ladder. But will I have a great experience um, while I'm with your company? And that um, definitely ties into having great relationships. And you use the word experience. I've heard that a lot, especially with millennials, Gen Zers, um, that – even in other areas, let's say the tourism industry, and those generations are looking for experiential type events. They want to go and have an experience, whether it's uh, outdoors experience or a food experience. And this seems to play right into that same theme. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the workplace has to be set up to allow for multiple experiences uh, with multiple people in multiple ways. Um, we've done some reworking of our corporate office and part of it has been to create an environment where um, experiences can occur between people and relationships can be built. Um, the millennial group, which occupies about 50 percent of the workforce today and in the next five years, it'll be 75 percent. Um, it is increasingly more important to them that when they uh, work, um, work at home feels the same. 
Now, I, I had a chance to hear you talk uh, earlier in the summer, and you were discussing a war for talent. There's currently a war for talent. What does that mean, and what should we? What do we need to know about this war for talent? Yeah, it's definitely a war. It's it's a battle. It's a competition, uh, and it's fierce. Uh, the reason why is is because there's so few or fewer talented people, and everybody wants those uh, those folks. When you start thinking about talented people, not only are they skilled talent-wise, but they have the right amount of experience, but they also have some other things that we didn't quite ask for uh, in previous ages, which is um, emotional intelligence, um, this ability to connect with people, um, also uh, the ability to have an extreme amount of grit in the right situations to be able to dig in when things are not going well. And so talent is redefined from that perspective. And there are fewer people in the workplace. And so we have fewer people in the workplace and you have this desire to have top talent. It creates a war. Um, the workplace is changing every day. It's getting more complex. And you have to have folks who are learners, who are um, open to not being the way they were today, but continually growing. Um, the greatest threat to any company is that uh, the company's um, talent does not grow. And so you have to have that learner mindset uh, and you have to have talent that has a learner mindset. The emotional intelligence, I imagine right now, because we're, we're, I feel like we're losing some of the connection we have, direct connection we have uh, person to person because we do so much communication now digitally in shorthand when you're texting and and looking at Snapchat and any other digital platforms. Is that harder today? Oh, it's, it's much harder. Um, you can, uh, you know, you can mistake a simple communication through Snapchat, email, or text as something that it really isn't not. It really is not, which leads to a lot of confusion. When you think about emotional intelligence, uh, it's about being self-aware, being able to manage yourself, but it's also about social awareness. It's about being aware of the situation before you speak. If you can't control yourself and say and do the right thing at the right time, then you'll do more harm to relationships than you will uh, good. And in order to be successful, it has to be the other way around. You've got to be able to work, uh, control yourself, and then you also have to be aware in order to speak to situations and have a positive outcome. And that's, again, is what talented people do. They're very successful um, in, in making those deep connections that lead to followership, but also that inspire others to want to do things beyond themselves. And we lose a lot of context in those things. And I think context, context often helps us with the understanding of uh, that communication, especially the interpersonal communication. Uh, absolutely. We don't talk to each other enough <laughs> and we don't get up close to each other enough uh, to get the true meaning of what people are saying. So I, I think we can all be guilty of that at times. Um, you also talked uh, before about the importance of culture in the selection process. What, what does that mean to you and what does that mean to the Chick-fil-A process? Yeah, so for us, a lot of the people that are attracted to Chick-fil-A will tell you, I'm attracted to your culture. Uh, and a lot of people that are attracted to any organization, uh, it's because of the culture. And so you've got to be able to, 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 to um, define what culture is in this, in this workplace, but it's, it's the speech it's the norms, it's the values, uh, it's the way things are done, it's the way 
um, people feel when they come into your environment are all important. Um, so your culture has to be strong. Um, Peter Drucker said that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, and it's been changed to culture eats strategy for lunch. But what it means is you can have a great strategy, but if your culture won't support it, uh, it won't go far. But if you have a strong culture, you can get a lot done. Uh, our core values are, um, for example, we're here to serve, and we hope that that uh, radiates throughout our organization, that anybody who has uh, any kind of dealing with Chick-fil-A will say, wow, man, they really have a serving spirit and they feel that in our culture. So people who want to serve are drawn to Chick-fil-A because they want to serve. Uh, it's just part of our culture. And, I, you know, I find that really interesting because honestly, you're really one of the few brands who I can think of off the top of my head that immediately culture is also one of the first things I think of in addition to your you know, fantastic products. So you corporate on the corporate side, you've done an amazing job of, of building that culture as part of the brand. Yes, we, we have. And we try to extend it into our restaurant. Uh, part of our selection process includes uh, selecting uh, owner operators who are what we call, you know, many Truett Cathy's. Uh, Truett started his first restaurant in 1946 and in that restaurant, he created a lot of loyalty of employees and a lot of loyalty of customers through the way the culture he created. And what we learned is that that culture works in, um, in, in, in diners, in diners and restaurants and wherever. And when we find individuals who can execute that culture, uh, it helps us grow. And so we literally, as part of our selection process, look for people who can duplicate the culture that um, Truett created. Uh, and back in 1946, out in the restaurant, wherever it might be, Los Angeles, Seattle, um, Jacksonville, Florida, New York. But when they come in, they go like, wow, this feels like Chick-fil-A. And we hear that a lot from our from our Raven fans. Uh, they say, man, no matter what Chick-fil-A I go to, here's the experience I have. And when we hear that, we know that we're getting it right. That means the culture is not only coming out of the home office, but the culture is also reaching restaurants. You know, so much of the country right now is experiencing a thin labor pool, actually not a bad problem to have, and in some cases, due to low unemployment. What advice can you give when it comes to attracting and recruiting top talent? Yeah, I would say after you, you build your culture, uh, in terms of making your workplace a place uh, that people are attracted to, I think as you go out and you start recruiting, you have to think about an employee uh, value proposition. And so... Uh, folks who are talented, again, and talent is in short supply, they have choices. And so they need to know when they come, what is your value proposition? What will I get when I come to work for you beyond my paycheck? Will I get care? Uh, will the people I work with here uh, will have strong relationships? Will I get a chance to go back and finish my degree uh, You know that I started you know, three to four years ago? But what is your value proposition? And so as an employer, uh, you've got to think about what will people gain if they come to work with me? And you got to help people's dreams come true. And it makes it a whole lot easier to attract people when you've got people telling them that I work for this company and it's great working there. They care for you, but they're also helping me become a better person. 
So why why is the process that you go through, the selection process, also important when attracting and retention of talent? Yeah. Uh, selection is the most important thing a leader does. Uh, the people on the team represent you to the to the to the um, to the public, mm-hmm. whether it's at the register or whether it's a leader or whether it's a sixteen-year-old who's working for a manager, uh, and so selection becomes uh, important from that perspective. Again, we go back to the relationship piece. Uh, the number one reason why people leave a job, believe it or not, is because of the, their boss. Uh, and so, when you're selecting people, and the person that's selecting people, uh, the person, there's got to be a relationship built right there uh, that's important. And that takes time. Uh, you can't ask two or three questions and select someone and then expect them to stay when there's not a relationship there. There's not a relationship that's been being built when that person is working there. So selection becomes a big part of that. Selection is where you start building that relationship. It's the beginning process. So you've got your process, and then we're at the new hire part now. And when a new hire is brought on, many companies just go through the motions of filling out the paperwork to get a new employee into the system, maybe a brief orientation. But you say the onboarding process should be more than just paperwork. What can be done beyond that? I actually I tell people, I said, onboarding is not doing paperwork. Uh, completing the paperwork is the, is the part of uh, engaging the employee in the process of making them an, uh, an employee. Uh, onboarding is, is the process of making them uh, a team member, uh, someone who's joining the team. And teams usually have goals and objectives and things like that that they want to obtain. And so why not let me in on, in the, on the game? You know, so that's like, what game is it? Uh, what are we doing to win? How do I win as an individual? Those kind of questions are answered in the orientation. Whereas in the other form, what's being done is you're, you're making me an employee. You're not making me a team member. And so onboarding is about making the team member, you know, feel like I am part of this team and I play a, play a vital part in winning, uh, not only as a team, but also win as an individual. So we take time and we sit down and we share values. We share vision. We share what success looks like. We tell them one of the most important things you can tell a person is why we selected you. We selected you, and here's what we see in you. This is a chance to encourage uh, and build faith in a team member. Say, let me tell you why we selected you. Here's what we think you bring to the table. All that happens in orientation. That That's amazing. And, and let me tell you, and I think pretty much everybody's been in the same position where you start a new job. And honestly, that first day is terrifying. I don't care who you are. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, it sure is. Every time, you know, and I've I've yeah. had many jobs over, uh, you know, in the last almost 30 years now, I guess. And, you know, day one and really week one tends to be rather terrifying. It seems like that part of the process when you're doing the true what you consider onboarding really kind of helps put the new team member at ease. Absolutely. Uh, that's the time when you again, you're you're showing your care. Uh, you're telling them what winning looks like. You're explaining to them, um, you know, what, what, what you expect of them. Uh, and you're not putting them in a workplace. Sometimes we might have a team member. This is our restaurant, a 16 year old, 70 year old. It may be two weeks before they actually wait on their first customer. Mm-hmm. We want them to feel comfortable. 
Uh, you know, the one of the worst things we do to people is we put them in a job and um, in that first week they don't do well and we expect them to, play, expect them to stay in the job. And here's the problem with that. All of us want to do well. And when we're not doing well, we know it. And when we're not doing well, it causes us to have negative reactions and it gives lessens our confidence, which makes us rethink how we made a great decision. So if we train and we onboard right and we give them a chance to be successful early, we uh, increase the chances that they're going to stay because they're getting these quick wins through um, the onboarding process and the training process. So now you've got a new team member on board. How much of a difference maker can training, coaching, and talent development be when you're attempting now to retain that new team member that you've just brought on? Absolutely critical. Again, everybody wants to be good at what they do, so you got to train me. And particularly as millennial age, they like feedback. Um, a lot of times people don't think people want to hear, um, you know, that they're not doing something well. But this group's a little bit different. Um, they want to be told when they're doing well, and they want to be corrected fast because um, they, they really want to be successful. So the coaching piece is telling them, hey, you're doing a great job, and here's why you're doing a good job. And then the, the other side of that is, hey, here's something you can improve on, and here's how you can improve on that. It's, a, it's game changers um, because now you care, and you care about how successful I am. If you sit down with, with me and you give me a training plan and you give me a personal development plan and a talent development plan, I'm not going to leave you because I see the development that you're giving me. And then when you give me a stretch assignment and I own something, then it becomes even harder for me to leave because if I own it, uh, ownership means it's hard. So if you give me a task that I do and I own that task, it's harder for me to quit because I feel like I'm leaving something that I own and not just something that um, belongs to someone else. So the training, the coaching, and the talent development piece is real important, again, to building the retention uh, in your organization. And, you know, it seems that a lot of companies may not even consider creating what you call a talent plan, but you argue everyone needs a plan, including the talent plan. What should be included in this talent plan? Yeah, yeah. talent plan should include, uh, as you look into your vision for your organization and where you want to grow, it should include all of the key positions uh, that you think you'll need in order to grow there and a profile of what successful people look like in that role. Uh, and the best way to build a profile is look at the most successful people in your organization in those roles and think about what makes them great. So you're going to build out the positions you're going to need. Uh, you're going to build out the profile that you're going to need. And then you're going to start thinking about where can we find these people? I mean, where do they exist? Where can I go and find people that fit the profile of the best people that we can have in the organization? Uh, so once I build that out, now I'm building out through um, – what, um, what, uh, how do I, how do I, I know people are going to be coming and going. And so I have to build a plan of the flow of bringing in talent. So that I have talent at different levels. Uh, you're going to have talent, some at two and three years and some at one year and some at six months, because you should be having people exit your organization to go on and move on to better, bigger and better things. It's just, there should be a plan to replace them as part of your talent plan as well. Um, so all of your key leaders uh, need development plans. Uh, they need stretch assignments. And so you need to plan out what stretch assignments 
those people are going to have, so they're also growing as well. And then most of all, I would say the one people forget is as a leader of your organization, you should have a development plan. I would tell you one of the biggest fears that a, or a growing organization has is our leaders growing fast enough to meet the needs of the growing company. If your company is growing at 20% and the leaders aren't growing at all, then your company is going to outgrow your leadership. And so there's going to be a, a natural retraction of growth because the leadership won't be where it needs to be. And so you have to ensure that the leadership is growing out to the point uh, that it needs to grow to. So there's a lot of things to put in the plan. That's pretty comprehensive. And it seems like a lot of people are actually afraid of losing their top talent. But what you've just told us is, you know, help them grow and you're doing the right thing if they're growing and able to move on and move up. Well, here's the thing. Uh, if you have talent, leave your organization and go somewhere else. They become your best recruiter. I mean, you have to look at it that way. Uh, for every um, successful operator that we have, uh, I was in Los Angeles this week and on the wall of a successful operator is our pictures of the successful people that have left the organization to go start their own organization. And so two things happen. Uh, one is when people are looking for an opportunity, they go, here's a place I can go and be developed. And so I want to go work for this operator because or this franchise owner, because I know they develop people. So that person has become your best uh, recruiter. Plus not only that, uh, the knowledge and, that you can gain through the people that you grow becomes even greater uh, because now you got some synergy on how to make your organization a better organization. So seeing people grow and leave is one of the best things that can happen because that's proof of concept if you think about it, that uh, you're an organization and you're a leader that can grow leaders. I had a friend who uh, part of his annual, he worked in international banking or works in international banking and part of his annual compensation package uh, and his bonus was, you know, if he met the metric of enough of his team members being promoted and often that meant them leaving his team. Uh, Absolutely. But that also kept him focused on developing that talent. Absolutely. Cause it's good for the organization. It's for you to, for that to happen. And, You'll see that in the best organization. I always go back to football, and if you start looking at assistant football coaches in the NFL, certain coaches have uh, coaching trees, and you go like, "Wow!" And they're still winning, and you kind of wonder every year they use an off, they lose an offensive coordinator, or they leave a defense coordinator, and they go somewhere else, and they keep going, and they keep going, and you wonder what in the world is going on. And what they've done is they've got this great process of creating a culture and development that allows people to keep coming through their organization and growing. But at the same time, they continue to attract new talent uh, into their organization. And that's what you want to be able to do. Pound for pound with the best chicken sandwich in the business and a knack for developing and retaining talent. Chick-fil-A's Andre Kennebrew. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Uh, it's been a joy to be on. I love talking about this subject. It's a, it's a make or breaker subject for organizations that want to grow. And so there's some great information out there. Uh, it's some great examples that they can follow to grow their organization and have it become an, uh, an organization that impacts people all over the world. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, 
and produced by Pottery Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info. <laughs>